Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. There was a young boy that wanted to be Joseph in the children's Christmas pageant in a really bad way. He could just imagine playing the part of the man that was entrusted with the care of raising God's son. And so he auditioned for the, for the part of, of Joseph. And after auditions, he was cast as the innkeeper. And he objected loudly, but to no avail. He cried, but they just told him, get over it. Finally, the director told him, said, young man, if you want to be a in this play, then, then you better be happy playing the part of the innkeeper. And at that moment, he reluctantly agreed to play the part of the innkeeper. A few weeks later, during the actual performance, Mary and Joseph on stage knocked on the door of the inn and, and the boy answered. The child playing Joseph asked him, do you have any room for me and my pregnant wife? And the boy playing the innkeeper looked directly at the director standing off stage and with a sinister smile on his face, he said, yes, sure, lots of room, come on in. We even have room service. (laughs) Oh, how the story changes if there would have been room in the inn for Mary and Joseph. I want you to turn with me very quickly to Luke chapter 2. As we kick off this Christmas season around here at Destiny Community Church, I want to start by reading part of the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. And it reads... In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Throughout the years, Mandy and I have stayed spent the night in some sketchy places. I'm sure if we were to go around the room, there's many couples in this room, many people in this room that could say, you too have stayed in some sketchy places. But there's a few of them that stand out in my mind. I'll I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor in Tampa, we had some late event happening at at, at our church and and Mandy and I uh, dropped our kids off. My mom and my dad drove up to the Brooksville area and rented a room for the night. We dropped our kids off with them 
and, and we went to this event. And it was, it was late or early the next morning, like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning when we made it back to, to the hotel. Just, and, and they were there just so the kids could spend some time with, with them. And plus, we were getting free babysitting out of it. And so, uh, so we drove up. Everybody was in bed, and, and, and we, we got into the bed. You know, it's just one of those standard hotel rooms with two beds. And, and uh, I, I remember... The kids were sleeping on a, you know, like a pallet on the floor. Mom and dad were in one bed. Mandy and I very quietly got into the other bed. And as we're laying there in bed, all of a sudden, I feel something on my legs. Now, now I, I am very sensitive to this kind of stuff. And sometimes it's just the nerve endings, you know, just. And so I feel something again. And this time it feels like it's biting me. So I reached down and I, I, I you know, brushed off whatever was there. And then all of a sudden I feel it again, to which I jump up out of the bed. I snatch the covers off and the moonlight is shining through the window and I see something crawling across the bed. I'm thinking there's scorpions in my bed and I am going to die. I flip the light on. Mom and dad are waking up. The kids are, are panicking. What's going on? And there are caterpillars in my bed and they were biting my leg. Sketchy. Sketchy. I remember this one time when my... My dad had emergency gallbladder surgery. And of all places, we let them operate him on him in Perry, Florida. Why we didn't have him transferred to Tallahassee, I'll never know. But we let them operate at Doctors Memorial Hospital in Perry, Florida. And dad was in the hospital for, for a number of days. And, and, and we, were, we were lucky that we, we knew someone that, that was managing the Hampton Inn, a, a fairly new hotel at the time. And, and, and so we were, we were staying there. But one night they were booked. And we were at the, at the hospital until late. And I looked at, at one of my brothers and I said, well, we just got to find somewhere else to spend the night. And so my brother and myself and Mandy, we went to a, Howard Johnson's on Highway 19. Sketchy. <laughs> I remember walking in and turning on the bathroom light and there were German roaches, little roaches on the counter. None of us slept that night. We each set up taking watch over who, who would stomp the next roach, you know. Even recently, when we were taking Kendall to college in Cleveland, Tennessee, the hotel that my wife booked for us, uh, uh, we, we were saving a little bit of money. And uh, it, it didn't look too bad. I mean, besides that there's paint peeling on one wall. Other than that, it didn't look too bad. And, and, and we're there in the room. And suddenly I realized that everything in the room feels wet. Me, my clothes, the bedspread, curtains, everything in the room just felt wet. And obviously there was some kind of ventilation problem. But out of all of the sketchy places where we have stayed... Nothing compares to the stable where my Savior was born. It's sketchy. That's a rough place for a child to be born. A stable. A building in which domestic animals are sheltered and fed, especially such a building having stalls or compartments. That's a long way from our local hospital. Doesn't sound like the women's center or anything like that, does it? 
Jesus made an entrance into this world surrounded by smelly animals, their food, and their waste. And none of us could imagine our child being born in an environment that is not sterile, much less a stable. There's this story that's told of a rodeo chaplain that had the opportunity to meet this, this famous horse racing jockey who rode in the Kentucky, the Kentucky Derby. And at Churchill Downs, at the track there, the chaplain went into the stables to talk to the jockey about giving his heart to Christ. And the jockey looked at him and said, sir, this is no place to talk about religion. And he was referencing his surroundings. They were in a stable. This is no place to talk about religion. And the chaplain replied to him, Christianity began in a stable. Jesus Christ was born in a stable and you can be born again in one. And then he talked to the man until he kneeled in prayer and finally accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. The Savior of humanity could have been born in a palace, but he knew that the pasture needed him more. He knew that if he was going to reach humanity with what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ, if he was going to reach humanity with the good news that we did not have to face hell, that we did not have to be punished, but yet he would pay for our sin, he knew that it couldn't happen through a palace. In John chapter 10, verses 11 through 15, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Again, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Prophetically speaking, he was telling them that there's a day coming when I am going to give my life for you. A shepherd lives with the sheep. A shepherd knows the sheep by name. He nurtures the young, he bandages the wounded, he cares for the weak, and he protects them all. And you can't be that close to the sheep and not begin to smell like them. Many of you have heard me tell the stories of the dog in Guatemala named Burrito. Burrito is the dog that, that jumped up in my bed when I was not in, in the cabin, when I was not in the room. He jumped up in, in my bottom bunk there and just laid down to take a nap and and he was an extremely dirty dog and and when he when i finally chased him out of that room he left behind the residue behind he left behind a stain on my pillowcase and on my sheet many of you have heard this what i haven't told you is that from the moment we got there you could smell that dog if you took his it took your hand and you would you would rub his coat with it your hand would smell like that dog i couldn't wash my hands enough it wasn't the other things that I was touching. It wasn't the, 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 the children that we were playing with. It wasn't even the food. It was the dog that was messing me up so bad. I was recently shaking hands on a Wednesday night, and I, I shook hands with the White Acres. And, and they may be here. I don't know if they're here. But, but, but while we're shaking hands, Mark looked at me and said, sorry, we smell like goats. Huh. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. 
And he told me, he said, man, we washed and washed and washed. Kept, you know, we've been working with the goats today. and We washed and washed and washed and we couldn't get the smell off of, off of our hands. You know why? Because the shepherd smells like the sheep. He lives where they are. He sleeps where they sleep. He eats where they eat. And there were people that, that didn't like this about Christ. That as he, he grew and matured into a man and, and started his ministry, Jesus ate with sinners and people didn't like it. He didn't eat with sinners to be like them. He ate with sinners to make them more like him. And that's a completely different sermon. But it, listen, you, it's okay for you to have acquaintances and friends that are sinners, that are not part of Christianity. But you need to be careful, church, because at the moment you become more like them and not them becoming more like you, then there's the issue right there. Jesus had a specific purpose of eating with sinners to make them like him, not him become them. But he had to be born in a stable. He had to be born in a stable because God had a messy plan. God had a messy plan, and if you are going to help anyone in need, I'm telling you, it's going to be messy. How many times have I, have I witnessed this in my own ministry? That, 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 that you start off just, just trying to help someone, just, just trying to give them you know, just a hand up, or just to, to get them to land back on their feet, and before you know it, you're head over heels involved with a situation, and it is messy. You had no idea that it was going to look like this. I, I can't tell you how many times Time someone has come to me for marriage counseling and before you know it that everybody in the household is mad at the pastor because of what the pastor it just gets messy when you start trying to help people it gets messy sometimes but God had a messy plan to help humanity it had to be messy parents with babies understand what I'm talking about one of your children, when, when, when they're just a baby, ever had a blowout? <laughs> there, there are some, bless your hearts, there's some of you in the room right now that you're raising babies and, and I see the tears running down your face right now. <laughs> it's, just, it's just tough, isn't it? You know, you're standing there holding them and, and all of a sudden you feel something. You know, sometimes you have to like pull the diaper leg back a little bit to see what's in there. But then there's other times when you don't have to, all you got to do is look at your hand. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> Too far? My bad. My bad. That child has a blowout. Parents in the room, you understand what I'm talking about. There is no other way to help them but to get your hands dirty. I mean, just, just shy of taking them outside, hanging them from a tree, and just blasting them with a water hose. If you are truly going to help that child, you have got to get your hands dirty. And sometimes it gets under your nails and everything else. All, all the moms, everybody else is grossed out. All the moms in the room are going, God, he's preaching right now. Good God, he's reading my mail. Good. God knew that in order for him to reach humanity, it had to start in the beginning with him getting his hands dirty. And he got humanity all underneath his nails because he became human. This series is called Stable Mind. 
But before you deal with your mind, you first have to deal with your heart. Mark 12 and 30, Jesus says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Before you can love the Lord with all of your soul and your mind, you've got to love him first with your heart. Scripture tells us this, above all else, guard the heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That means everything that, that happens flows out of this. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It all starts right here. And unless you get Christ right here, unless it happens right here first, you can try your best. You can have the knowledge of Christ. You can have that mind set on, on, on things. But, but, but unless it happens here first, it, it, it's not going to take root. The relationship with Christ has to start in the heart. Four-year-old Johnny went to the doctor's office with a fever and the the doctor could tell that the little child was nervous. He was obviously nervous. And, and, and so the doctor tried to lighten the mood just a little bit. And, and he looked in, in little Johnny's ears and he said, who's in there, Donald Duck? And Johnny said, no. He, he, he then looked in his nose and he said, who's in there, Mickey Mouse? And he said, no. The doctor then put his stethoscope on the boy's chest to listen to his heart and he said, Who's in there? Is it Superman? And Johnny replied, No, Jesus is in my heart. Superman's on my underwear. <laughs> of all the places for Christ to reside, He chooses our hearts. Why? Why? Of all the places that he could live, he says, I want to live right there in your heart. And it's a strange place for him to take up residence. Even scripturally, it's a strange place because Mark 7, 21 through 23 says, For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I can tell you this, I've been in full-time ministry for, for right at 20 years now and I can tell you I still don't understand the human heart. And why he would choose to take up residence in my heart of all places, I'll never understand. Because both the stable and my heart were dirty, dark, defiled places unworthy of divine royalty. But yet he chose a stable. And he chose my heart. You see, I know my heart. I know my heart better than anybody else in this room. And the only other person that knows my heart any better would be Jesus Christ. But I know my heart. You know your heart. You know what you're capable of. You know where you messed up. 
I know how dirty my heart becomes sometimes. And it's just like that stable. It's the place where no king should live. But yet that's where he decides to stay. You know what it's like when you get that call? When you're just lounging around the house one evening or maybe on a you know, Saturday afternoon or something and you really hadn't changed out of your pajamas yet. You know, it's just one of those days. And you get that call that somebody's going to be stopping by. Unexpected. They're just calling, giving you a heads up. Hey, I've got something I want to drop off by your house. Very calmly, you're like, oh, yeah, that would be great. Come on by. And as soon as you hang up the phone, panic hits. Because you know what your house looks like. And suddenly, you've got the whole family in an uproar trying to clean the house and, to, and to, to make things right, to get it presentable for that person who's coming by. And so, so everybody's in a panic. The kids are picking up clothes. Your spouse starts vacuuming and dusting, and he hasn't vacuumed and dusted in years. But now it's happening. You're in the kitchen. You're washing the dishes. Even your dog is scrubbing the toilet. Everybody is working right now. And, and when your guest walks in the front door, here's what they see. Everybody's chilling, sitting there watching football. Oh, hey, good to see you. And the guest is like, man, it smells amazing in here. Oh, really, does it? It smells like this all the time to us. We must be used to it. <laughs> Nobody cleaned up the stable before his arrival because humanity was not even expecting him. It's one of those things that we can relate to because you've been hearing for years that Jesus is coming. They had been hearing that for over 400 plus years. Nobody was expecting him to show up. But he did. And the end didn't have room for him. Nobody took the time to clean the stable because humanity didn't have a clue that the king of kings was about to show up. And the strange thing is this, is that's just the way he likes it. He likes showing up when you just don't expect it. He did that with his birth. He does that in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your temptation. He just shows up. When he comes back, the second coming of Christ, it will be unexpected. He will just show up again. And that's the way that Christ works. It's the way that he likes it. And he doesn't want anyone just taking the time to clean up. He wants your heart just the way that it is. You can't clean your own heart enough to make it presentable, a presentable place for Christ. But the good news is this, is that there's no heart that is too dirty that Christ can't enter. Amen. Revelation 3 and 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. But there he is, the unexpected guest, knocking on the door saying, Can I come in? My wife said it best yesterday at the, the women's brunch. She said these words, Our homes reflect Pinterest more than they reflect our hearts. 
Isn't that true? At least with what we present to the world. We let others see how great and put together our lives are when in reality our homes are just a mess. But here's the great news, church. Listen to me. He wants your mess. That's where he operates the best. He doesn't like it when everything's all put together and neatly put away. No, Jesus likes the mess because it's where he started. His birth here on this planet started in a messy stable. And he continues to operate best in that environment. He wants your mess. He wants your failed messy relationships. He wants your messy habits and addictions. He wants your messy thoughts and your messy decisions. He wants all of that. And he thrives on cleaning that up. Maybe, maybe if we just wished each other a messy Christmas, the Mary would just take care of itself, wouldn't it? That's us taking down the the facade taking off the mask and saying, listen, I am a messed up person and he loves me in spite of that. Because he didn't call ahead. He just showed up and he was born in a messy stable. And the Christmas story is we're going to discover it, it wasn't neat, it wasn't tidy, it was messy and very transparent. Thank God that that first Christmas was messy. Because without it, what a mess we would be in, right? Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.